0: In the early hours of Monday July the 3rd, Chris Tangi cleared up his St Helia bar after a night's trading for the final time. After 14 years of operating Tangi's in Malcaster Street, and more than four decades working in the island's hospitality industry, Chris had called last orders. In this episode of Bellywick Podcasts, I, Tominus, sit down to talk to the DJ who has been one of the most colourful figures in the hospitality industry since his first job at what is now the Splash at St Juan in the late 1970s. We discuss the heyday of the island nightlife scene in the 80s and 90s, the perils of the Sunday dancing lore, and the recent challenges facing the sector that have left chris fearful for its future chris it's great to see you thanks for coming in um for for those who, who can't see you like i can you sat here in your one of your trademark colorful shirts the the the, the um classic tangy style that um, many people will know and I'm, I'm looking at you and thinking there's has it always been a bit of flamboyance? Was there ever any danger that you you might have been wearing a grey suit and working in accountancy something like that? Was, was did that life path ever uh, come before you? Uh, somehow, no, I don't think so, Tom. I um, I've always loved um, fashion,
1: and uh, I suppose you know in in, in the years I've always um, I don't know like to be colourful. I love colour. My my late father who uh, Doug Tangy, who was a bit of a legend in his own time, um, always wore shall we say flamboyant outfits and uh, even till the day he died at 95 he was still playing at the sombrellas bay hotel and tying his own bow ties Uh, obviously for me um slightly tricky with one arm so i didn't follow suit but there you go no i've always um i've always loved a
0: bit of color and flamboyance tom Brilliant, and you you mentioned your your dad, and um, we 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 talked just before about being uh, born in the uh, in the island in in 1960, being away until uh, until your teens. So we gonna, I was going to sort of come back to that point in 1977 when you moved back to the island from um, South Africa. that seems a, a a sort of appropriate point to to pick up the tale.
1: Well, yes, um, having been brought up in South Africa um, from the age of six. Um, I was brought up, um, my, my love, um, was rugby and still is to this day. And, um, when we came back in January, 1977, um, I left the wonderful summer of, uh, of, of the late 76 in South Africa to come back to a miserable grisly January winter in Jersey. We drove off the uh, ferry Uh, And I said to my father, what have you brought me back to? It was awful. I'd left all my friends, all my school friends, um, and the life I'd known for 11 years, um, all my formative years, my main main schooling was done in in, in Cape Town. And um, anyway, um, John Grady, who is such a wonderful person and uh, a stalwart of Jersey Rugby Club, um, was a friend of my dad's, and and, uh, dad rang John and said, look, I've we've just come back from south africa and um i've got my son who who's not a bad rugby player and he'd like to join the rugby club and that's how that started and um i was only 17 and um played quite in those days we used to have a lot of visiting sides as you remember well you weren't here tom in those days but crumbs we used to have i don't know six seven teams coming over from the uk and we had a first second third fourth team i think in those days plus you had banks and hellier blah 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 and um I I was scouted um, by some of, somebody from so long ago, but one of the visiting teams said, this guy's not bad. He's actually pretty damn good. And um, it went as far as to me looking towards uh, an England youth trial. Um, I was a fullback. Uh, my hero was J.P.R. Williams. Um, and unfortunately, the rugby career came to a shuddering halt when I had <clears throat> my motorbike accident on Sunday June the 19th Father's Day of all days um, um, I'd been actually, funny enough we'd, I'd been out with the rugby boys and um, I was heading off to St Mary's to um, see my then girlfriend and um, didn't get too far down the road or heading from St Peter's on the way to St Mary's and um, it was not a very pleasant evening it was drizzling and, and the roads were probably unsafe for a, a motorbike but I don't quite know what happened, but on a corner I hit this car head-on and um, landed up in hospital. And after a couple of days, um, gangrene set in and they had to amputate my right arm. So um, that was the end of my cricketing, rugby and sporting, not sporting life, because I, I then took up golf at a later, at a later stage. Um, so it was not a happy homecoming to, to Jersey after you know being away for... Um, 15 years no you
0: could say that gosh uh, and um, uh, that i presume it took a little while to um uh, come to terms with that or, or the the um uh the, the the career that um ended up distracting you for rather a lot of decades wasn't actually long round the corner at that point am i right yeah, I'm, I'm
1: trying to remember. I, I was only in hospital a couple of weeks. Amazingly, I mean, I nearly lost my leg as well, so uh, I was in a was a bit of a bit of a state. And um, anyway, you know, I recovered quickly, and then I think it must have been somewhere around about 1979. Um, the water splash, the room at the front, which is um, it's all part of the splash now, but they rebuilt it all as a cabaret venue. And it was called the Inn for the Night. And Harry Swanson, the then owner, who was, a, and funny enough, another friend of my dad's, um, my dad gave Harry a ring and said, look, um, my son's been involved in this horrendous accident. He's made a good recovery. Um, he's always loved music. He's He would love to get involved in, you know, maybe not so much DJing, but they needed somebody to control the the microphones and the lighting and play a couple of singles in as they were in those days in between the breaks. So um, Harry kindly gave me the break um, in, I think somewhere in about 1979. Um, And um, to be honest, it was the launch pad for an amazing fun career in um,
0: the nightclub industry. Brilliant, and that and that then I, I guess le- led on to um, it, it ex- expanded and um, potentially you, you you were sort of helping out and filling in to begin with, but um, that, then t- doing your own thing under your own right after uh, after a while.
1: Well, I a friend of mine, uh, Paul Jackson, who was a, a fabulous DJ. He 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 left the island quite a few years ago, but <clears throat> um, Paul was resident DJ at Lourdes, um in town. And um, he said, Chris, I like what you're doing. Um, I'm going away for a couple of months. Would you fill in for me? Um, so I said, oh, I'd love to, Paul. And uh, in those days, you know, I was, I was sitting down DJing. It sounds a bit odd these days. And I had two belt drive turntables. And, um, you know, the art of DJing really was, you know, the reason... DJs used to speak in those days is because you only had a seven-inch single, which lasted on average two minutes and forty-five. So you didn't have a lot of time to think. So you had to, you know, flick flick through your your box of singles, put that one on, and then chat in between. Um, now, of course, you know you you turn up with a pen drive, and it was it's 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 a, it's a far cry from those days, but it's actually it, it's. It was something about DJing with that piece of vinyl and thumbing through your box of records to find that track to put on. It, it's, it, it, it was personal and so much fun. So anyway, um, Paul then moved on and um, John Lord was then the owner of um, Lord's and uh, he offered me the, um, <clears throat> the full-time job. It was very popular. I suppose it was the most popular nightclub in, in Jersey at the time. Uh, for some reason um, he relieved me of my duties uh, I don't know why because I actually said John hang on you know the club's packed am I not playing enough ABBA or Boney M obviously something's not suiting you um, he said, no Chris um, you know I'm going to have to let you go so obviously I'm 19 at the time um, so I'm like All right okay this was at the end of a Friday night session and uh, at In those days, another popular venue was Thackeray's, which was owned by a chap called Peter Maskell, a dear dear man who's still around uh, and looking fit and fine. And um, I rang Peter, I said, Peter, I know you're looking for a DJ because my dear friend Lummy was heading off to Greece to go and open a a bar, nightclub with some friends down there. And um, so I said, "Um, I'm probably a bit late, but I'd like to put my name forward. I know you're looking for a resident DJ. Um... John Lord has let me go um so he said well Chris I've got a few people in mind but I've seen you work but give me the weekend I'll give you a call on Monday and um he duly ran me on the Monday he said you've got the job so I was thrilled yeah um the great thing about and it's the one thing that will always stick in my mind John Lord always used to eat and John won't mind me saying this because he's um we're good friends now I, I wasn't great friends with him when he sacked me, but hey-ho, um, we laugh about it now. And um, he always used to have a table at Thackeray's on a Wednesday night. There was a group of five of them. So I was already in situ. Um, you came up the stairs and then the reception was at the top and the DJ was up at the other side. So as he arrived, I duly said on the microphone, good evening, Mr. Lord. How nice to see you.
0: <laughs>
1: and then I never looked back from there, really, Tom. It was... Um, Again, you know, from the the in for the night or the water splash, whatever you want to call it, to Lords. What happened at Lords? Then Thackerays,
0: um, and then. And that uh, was a, that was a long stint at Thackerays. Uh, then is that um, a is that couple right? of years? Okay. Um, you had to crawl
1: into the DJ box. It was a. It wasn't so much a DJ, DJ box as a cupboard, uh, which you had to crawl under, and then. Um, but great fun just great memories you know no great lighting system a few bulbs colored bulbs flashing around and some column pv speakers not the greatest sound system but it it was the venue the people and it was of its time you know jersey was absolutely
0: rocking in those days um and was that was that locals locals and visitors alike i, I guess um, all all contributing to um a, a rare old party scene i think
1: yes um And everything was affordable in those days. Tom, no one looked at prices on menus. It was just, you know, everywhere was packed. And we had all the cabaret shows and all sorts of people used to come in. You know, whoever was was appearing at the opera house, you know, they'd pop in after. And it was just this wonderful, vibrant scene going on. And um, so I, when I, sorry, I'll rewind because um, when I came back, there was a venue called The Skyline which was at the Hotel de France. Um, I would imagine that probably opened 78, 9. Oh, no, hang on. No, I came back. So 77 probably. And um, for anybody that knows the, um, the Hotel de France, the, as you drive in, it's the multi-storey car park. So on the top floor, they converted a part of what basically was the multi-storey into a nightclub, which was called the Skyline. And um, wonderful DJ, his name is the late Mickey Musgrove. He passed away in 87, dear man, and I, one of the finest DJs ever to to, to work in Jersey. Um, Skyline then morphed into Madison's, which opened in 1982. And Madison's at the time was 30 years ahead of its time, probably. And Ian Thompson... Um, was the manager, and he spoke to Ian Parker, who owned the hotel de France. He said, "I reckon we could create this amazing nightclub so with with Ian's um, you know brain and and Mr. Parker's money, they created Madison's, which opened in nineteen eighty two and um, Ian Thompson Mickey musgrove was was going to be heading off to raffles to run. Uh, run raffles so Ian was looking for a DJ he'd seen me DJing at Thackeray's and he said Chris I like what you do how would you like to be my resident DJ at Madison's well it was like winning the the, the lottery I couldn't believe it I thought blimey so there we were and um, I was there till um, 1986
0: right and that that, that was uh, um i guess a lot, a lot of people talk about the heyday but i guess that that spell the, the 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 80s has that that image anyway and um 82 to 86 right in the sort of the the sweet spot of the of the of the decade um it was uh it was all happening some quite big names um uh, um coming over to the island as, as as well during that stage is that right
1: yeah well you know People actually... We, we did an amazing light show. It had the most amazing lighting rig, and people would actually come up just to watch the light show, which we put on for about 20 minutes. But in those days, Tom, we were full by 9 o'clock. You know, there was a queue up the stairs going around the corner. Um, it, 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 To think back to those times, you think, blimey, we were full by 9. And, and yeah. remained
0: full till 2, was it Was it? Well, no, the
1: closing was... Um, closing times were earlier then Tom I was, I was speaking to somebody the other day I'm, I'm not sure that originally clubs used to shut at 12 or 1 I can't remember when the first two o'clock license first first happened actually
0: um, but you had three or four hours of um, pretty lively um, uh, lively activity um, from from nine or whenever you were full
1: yeah and um, obviously you know we had the infamous beach nights on a Thursday and we had a very strict um dress code on a on the weekends you know you you had to have a collar I can't remember if you had, used to have a tie I think when we first opened you had to have a tie which sounds pretty archaic but people made the effort and the, the ironic thing was the people that were told to go away on a Saturday to put on something smart would then come up on the Thursday smart and then were sent away to go and put beachwear on <laughs> Uh, And people did, they went home and, um, but also Tom, the difference then was, you know, rewinding to when Jersey was busy, 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 and we had 27,500 bed occupancy, I think we're down to about seven now, Um, you had a massive influx of seasonals that, that would come over, let's say February, March time you know, Scotland, Liverpool, Manchester, Wales, um, just to come and work in Jersey for the summer season. Now, in those days, you didn't have mobile phones. Yeah. And if you had a TV, you were lucky, because you could rent them in those days from Rediffusion. Fusion. Um, but all you had was a dodgy set-top aerial and a, I think a dial trying to get one of three channels. So nobody stayed in, why would you? And um, so people were out seven nights of the week. And town was bustling. And the other thing was um, alcohol and cigarettes were half the price or probably less than half the price of the UK then. So combine all these things, Jersey was this vibrant, um, wonderful place, seven nights a week. No one ever stayed in. And, you know, the other thing was you didn't have somebody texting you saying, where are you? You knew that your buddies would be either in that pub, that pub, that pub, or a nightclub you know you just found them now you know you why didn't you answer my text a zillion minutes ago I'm like well of course I didn't you know
0: so very different times Tom you know it was um and you went you mentioned seven nights a week I was going to pick you up on that because just um uh, politely because um uh there was uh, there was one night of the week that uh uh, was, was a little bit different and um, uh, may, may have uh, uh, caused um, a, a few furrows on your brow um, over the uh, over the years. I'm talking about Sundays, as, uh, of course. So, what what um, what were the sort of features of uh, that, that that made made Sundays <laughs> different for somebody in your line of work? Ah, uh, well,
1: the infamous uh, Thackeray Sunday nights where you couldn't dance on a Sunday, and um, I thought, well, I need to get. Sunday night's busy so you had to provide food so there was a, a, a an entrance charge I think it was three pounds fifty and you got burger and chips in a basket or chicken and chips in a basket most people didn't eat they just threw it in the bin which sounds awful now but um they were just happy to get in and as the licensee manager um I thought, right, okay, well, let's just see if we can get away with allowing people to dance on a Sunday, which we did for quite a long time, until we got um, caught, and um, I remember having to go to the magistrate's court in Seal Street, the accused, this huge crime against the state, and um, yes, well, I got relieved of my duties, um, at which was very upsetting that was 1989 and um but in many ways tom it, it got to it, it sort of made headline news you know and people go well this is ridiculous you know why shouldn't you be able to dance on a sunday so out of bad came good in many ways i suppose and people still talk about it now because it was just the most fantastic scene going on on a
0: sunday night at thackeray's <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, and um, you, you, there was some people did made their own sorts of protests by sitting on the floor and and th- things like that. Is, is, is that right? As part of that? Uh, no, Thackeray's you know, was a very very special time. You know,
1: eighty six to eighty nine. I ran it, and we had all sorts of. Um, I don't. know, Gary Newman. He was living here for a while. He used to pop in with his girlfriend, a wife at the time. Um, Then we had Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I don't know what they were doing in Jersey, um, but they they decided to... We we had to get everybody out, but this was Frankie Goes to Hollywood at the height of their fame, and they decided to sort of sit in the middle of the dance floor and protest that, no, you know, we're not going. And so we had to use a bit bit of force to eject them. Iron Maiden popped in... um, Ah, uh, who else did we have? Paul Young, he was about to embark on a, a world tour and he hired Swanson's Hotel, as it was in those days, because it was the off-season. And um, they set it up as a as the stage was going to be and he used to come in every night with the band and uh, a, a charming man. He Again, he was at the height of his fame. And, you know, all these... All these wonderful people I was lucky enough to meet, and I brought Edwin Starr over, who did a, a night at Thackeray's. You know, only to play back. We weren't big enough to put on bands and stuff, so they they like, had their backing tracks. Um, George McRae, "Rock Your Baby." Unfortunately, when I picked George up from the um, the airport, I think he'd he had too much of something, um, and when he when he when when he went on stage, um, I think he sung "Rock Your Baby" four times. Um, only because I think he he 'd forgotten the rest
0: of his set <laughs> or, or or that he 'd sung it three times previously or, or a combination of those things uh
1: yeah exactly
0: so um and then we,
1: we had different you know it, it, uh, Hazel Dean it was the a uh, high and thing night we had a gay night on a Monday, which sounds a bit strange now, but we we were ahead of our time um you know on that on a Monday night tom you couldn 't move um you know um and yeah so i i was lucky enough to meet all these 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 characters really that's without all the comedians and people that used to pop in who were appearing at the inn on the park um
0: yeah, well the, the the list is endless you know um so great times and were, were the um were the 90s um uh, significantly different did it did it did it carry on was it was a Point when you thought things are things things are changing uh, uh, a little bit in in, in Jersey, or, or did the uh, the good times sort of keep on rolling at, at that point?
1: Um, you know, the music's always evolving, and you know I was lucky enough to catch the tail end of the seventies music wise, and then all the eighties. Then you were getting into the sort of early, early rave scene in the nineties. Um, after after being relieved of my duties at Thackeray's, I um, headed off to America for a while, thinking I'd go and find fame and fortune. Um, after three months um, in LA, I ran out of money and uh, came back. And then um, Ian Thompson asked me if I'd go back to Madison's in 1990, I think it was. Um, and obviously I needed the work and everything else. So, um, But the music was beginning to change and I really wasn't, you know, I, it, it really wasn't my type of music in those days. Um, and then, I'm just trying to work out exactly, in 1991, Kevin Leach asked me if I'd go and run or help run and be assistant manager at the Inn on the Park, which was coming to the end of its longevity. Um Again, that was fun, but it was very sad to see the state of of the building, you know, this once beautiful venue just falling to bits. Um, It was very sad, but, you know, at least I can say I was the last part of the last management team at the Inn on the Park before they flattened it. I uh, I remember one story, Tom. um, (laughs) We brought Squeeze over, the legendary Squeeze, and um, they didn't have a sound engineer for some reason and we had the sound desk and they'd say Chris can you do the sound for Squeeze I'm like oh I'll do my best really so um anyway I then the the sound desk was on the upper level so I had to go back I had to go downstairs go onto the stage and speak to the guy who was playing keyboards and I amongst other things I said excuse me you know how long have you been playing with Squeeze and uh he said, oh, I, I just, you know, do a bit here and there. Unbeknown to me, it turned out to be the George. legendary Paul Carrick. Paul Carrick, sorry. Who wrote How Long uh-huh. what, uh, for Ace, which was one of my all-time favourite songs. And I had no idea it was Paul Carrick. So um, that was a that was a great story. But, um, yeah, so um, from the Inn on the Park, um, I was then approached by... Spencer Bourne and well Brian Bourne and they were opening Folly De D'Amour and Spencer asked me if I'd <clears throat> go and run it for him um and I didn't really fancy you know the, the the whole management thing but I said I'd love to come and DJ for you um so that's what I duly did and uh so I was there from the beginning of Folly De More, and um that was fun you know um and then uh, Madison's closed down, but we, I wasn't involved then, obviously. And then my uh, a friend of mine, Dave Hilditch, um, long life, a great guy, um, he said, Chris, Madison's has closed. Um, do you fancy approaching Robert Parker, the son of Ian Parker, and see if we could put a deal together to take it on and reopen it? So that's what we duly did. And we reopened sometime in late 92, I think, Um, thinking with slightly new dynamics and stuff, you know, people would come flooding back. Uh, That didn't happen. Things had moved on the, you know, the whole music. So we had to rethink it. And we had to go down the lines of of becoming more of a sort of um, housey venue, you know, Um, club venue and it it worked and um dave and i um had 10 years there up until the end of 2002 new year's eve uh, 2002 was the the last night but we had some great djs came over we used to bring some american djs over carl cox dj boy george i could go on and on and on um But again, good times. I was very fortunate that, you know, all these things seemed to slot into place for whatever reason. I think my life sort of
0: worked like that. I don't know. And uh, had there there been a a thought at that stage about um, get, getting your own place was that? Has that ever been on the radar, or did that? Was that something that you started to sort of think about? You, you mentioned about m- not being keen on management before. Is that? Um, did, did you gradually sort of change your uh, uh, change your thought process on that? I'm um, never really been very good at
1: working for people. Um, well, i very outspoken, and um, so I like to be in control of my own destiny. I think. Um, So, in 2000, I'm I'm trying to fit it all in, but in 2002, when um, Madison's closed for the final time, I then, um, just trying to remember, remember, um, Martin Sayers, who owned the legendary Havana Club, approached me and he says, Chris, um, you know, what are you doing? And he gave me a, I'd been through a bit of a tough time as we all do in life, with the collapse of my marriage and th- things like that. And so I wasn't in a very good place, but bless Martin, who's a dear friend, and he gave me this opportunity to go and run Havana, um, be it for a short time. I think I was only there for about a year, um, but it got my confidence back because I, I took a bit of a kicking here and there. But that's life, that's what happens. And um, I had a wonderful year with Martin, and I have to thank him for... for, for seeing the potential in me. And we, we I really enjoyed my time there. And then um, I got approached by Penny Dawkins, who uh, was head of the managed estate for the Liberation Group. And she said, Chris, would you come and run Fridays? So off the journey then continued. So I left Havana and I ran um, ran Fridays, which is now the Halkett, between 2005 and... 2009 that's right, four years, that was fun filled as well, great fun um, and then as I was heading towards 50 um, I'm, and I think I sort of done my time at Fridays and the brewery well let's say my services were no longer required but they had no reason to get rid of me so they moved me to the then Corinthian, which um, talk about chalk and cheese. I mean, the Corinthian was a pretty rough old pub that I think when it first opened as one of the, one of the first sports theme bars in Jersey, it was absolutely beautiful. And all the memorabilia and stuff, but unfortunately, it had been allowed to go to rack and ruin. But they said, Chris, you know, will you go and run that? Well. Hello. <laughs> My loud shirts didn't quite fit the um, working man's boozer, Tom, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, so there was at the time that the brewery were offering tenancies. And Penny said, look, Chris, are you interested? Um, we've got some here, some there. I said, well, if I take one, it's got to be down the Weybridge end of town. That's because town had moved you know, the pubs, bars and everything was all moving that direction. So she said, would you be interested in the Corinthian? I went, um, I'm not sure. Uh, it's going to take an awful lot of money and a lot of thought. But anyway, cut a long story short, I decided to go for it. And, um, you know, approaching 50, you're sort of, well, I've worked for everyone, done, done as much as I can. I don't know where else I could have gone and DJed or worked. So that's why the idea of Tangies came about. And, um, you know, that was 14 years of my life, which um, came to an end a few weeks ago. It was wonderful, though. Ups and downs like any business, Tom, you know?
0: Yeah, Um, that's when our paths first uh, crossed around the the opening um, time in the back end of 2009, as I recall. And and it was... um, uh, the 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 14 years was was e- extended um uh to 14 years uh, um as a result of the the, the dreaded pandemic that uh, affected most of us in all sorts of ways you 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 were um you you had one foot heading towards the exit door in in early 2020 before everything changed is that, that that's that's more or less right is it
1: yeah well i was about to um We had a purchaser and uh, we were about to sign and then, you're quite right, the dreaded COVID arrived and um, scuppered the deal. And then we all had to suffer and endure this awful pandemic. Um, But to be honest, you know, somehow we came out of it on the right side financially. I don't quite know how. Um, And I really enjoyed it, Tom, you know, because um, it was... Because everyone had to be seated... And <clears throat> it was just there was seemed to be a level playing field for for everywhere you know, and people would ring up maybe book a table. Then okay, it was a bit annoying asking people please to put a mask on, and they couldn't find it. And um, but I I actually enjoyed probably that time more than any. It was you know you could sit at a table talk to people. Um, people were nicer. Um, behaved, I thought we were going to come out of COVID as a nicer society. I think we've come out as a worse society, to be honest. Um, maybe it's something they put in the uh, in the jab. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you you've um, you you were able to get um, well. I don't know if it was that deal or a, a, new, a new deal to, um, to um, sort of back. Um, uh, to, to with a view to running, and having spoken to you quite a bit over this year, it was a, it uh, it seemed to sometimes was moving at a frustratingly slow pace, and I guess you were you were ready to um, exit, but equally you had to carry on, and you you were um, uh, I know that you 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 weren't a sort of hands-off owner-manager who popped in every now and then. You, 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 yourself and Kath were, 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 were there um, th- throughout, um, you know, um, d- doing everything that needed to be d- done. It wasn't a question of, uh, of just clicking your fingers and staff doing it. You were doing it yourselves.
1: Yeah, well, I think when, when we first opened in um, September '09, I had a wonderful manager, S. Tracy, who was over from London. And, um, but the scene then was, the town was busy, Tom you know, um, and we were very busy, thank goodness, because I invested a lot of money, and uh, we were, the takings were great, so I, I was able to pay my loans off over, over five years. Um, that was at the time, because the, the Royal Yacht opened in 07, we opened in 09, and Mimosa, Keyside opened in 11, so you had these two years in between all these great places opening, let's be saying mine was a great place, a bit you know, a bit full of myself there, Tom. but you <laughs> know, fair enough, you, you
0: don't come in here in your, in your loud shirt and start, start being all modest and coy about things. <laughs> and um, so, but town was busy, Tom, you know. Um,
1: and so I could afford to have a manageress. I could afford extra staff. I could afford cleaners and all these sort of luxuries. Um, but with all the other venues opening, you know, it... it, it you, you're not the new guy on the block for very long. And, and there's nothing wrong with your venue, but people get bored. So they vote with their feet. And and we are, you know, a static community. And it's the same people who are going out weekend. You know, they, it's the same people that might be going out, that might not be going out. You know, it's not as if we're in the UK where people drive from here, there, wherever. You know, it's... So it's... We've got to a stage at the, at the moment where... The, the nighttime economy i think is in a bad position um it, it's it, and it's not going to get any better really. i mean we can lead on to that but um, i think I lost the question you asked me in the first place though
0: well uh, i i think I've, 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 that was the direction i was certainly l- looking to go about the the, the nighttime economy. It, it is different now uh, it, um all the all the evidence is, is that um t- a town is, is rarely as busy as, as it was and there are um, still plenty of venues um, competing for fewer customers and not doing that well is, is it an, an inevitable and inexorable direction that it's going what 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 um, what, what can be done because there are, there are plenty of um, people who who re, you know remember the, the 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 busy times and was was that some sort of magic formula that that's been lost for forever or can, can we um, go the steps that could be taken to get it back
1: no, I don't think I don't think the nighttime economy will ever come back. I think um it's become too expensive. Um, there's so many factors you've got um, it's all down to cost. Um, but people have got again, if I rewind back to a time when people didn't stay because they didn't have a fifty inch plasma on the wall, um you've always had bedsit land, but basically, you might have your smallest flat in town but the odds are you'll have a 50 inch plasma on the wall with all your streaming services and so and you don't really need to go to the cinema anymore it's lovely to go to the cinema and to watch a a feature film on the big screen but that's not affordable for a lot of people now so people more and more people are staying in um, they've got their entertainment at home a lot of people have I know from friends of mine who are all sort of building their own little bars at home and sourcing their, their, you know, alcohol from wherever, um, and, <clears throat> sorry, um, if you factor in your taxi fares, the cost of drink, the whole thing, it's, 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 it's its just the death knell for, for
0: the industry, Tom, really, um, yeah, and and that's uh, I suppose it's uh, especially the um, uh, the original um, purpose. I'm am sure you uh, witnessed a fair bit of this g- going on when you were behind the decks of, of, of the people going out and meeting uh, meeting new partners and everything. Which of course you're, you're you're not going to do if you're having a a little soiree at your your bar that you've built at home is is that is is that um is that not enough of a a, an engine to drive the nighttime economy anymore it seems maybe it isn't not really no um you know i
1: what is strange is uh, when you go out these days um the old days no i never saw anyone looking at the prices on a menu you know you'd go out and just pay it you actually see people studying the menu now and going how much you know it's it's what 11 12 pounds for a glass of wine at some venues you know um and this all stems back tom you know going back to not this government so much but previous governments over the last 20 30 years levying too much duty on on alcohol thinking it was going to be the the cure to stopping people drinking well it doesn't matter how much duty you put on people always drink Tom but the problem is they don't go out and drink now they drink at home which brings its other problems Um. so and I, I don't think the breweries help themselves either you know you certainly for me as a tenant you've got this archaic tie-in which you'll remember Tom when you work for theme um, with pubs and stuff, you know, okay, you take on one of the breweries' um, buildings, they say, well, you're getting an affordable rent because you can sublet some of the flats and stuff, um, but we're going to levy, a, 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 you know, a, a price on your alcohol. So, whereas somebody will be paying £150 for a keg because they're not tied into the brewery, I'll be paying 270 for the same thing. Now, this whole time is archaic. It needs to be addressed. But I don't think the breweries help their tenants. I don't think they help um, themselves either. I, I know Randall's, have, they've got you know businesses to run, but so have we. And I, my, my angle on this is we should be trying to get people back out, back into the pubs. Well, that is not going to happen if you just constantly increase prices. But we're not going to, we can't put prices down now, Tom. So, the damage is done. We, we're not going to, we can't go backwards, can we? You know, it's.
0: Um, no, it's, and and I guess that does, does that leave you? I'm sure there are regrets at, at leaving the industry, but does it also leave you thinking? Well, I'm, I'm glad to have got out, got out now. Um, you know, uh, the the time was, the time was right.
1: Well, I, rewinding to. Um, a couple of questions ago, you know, yes, Kath and I were there five nights a week at 63 years of age and, um, you know, getting home at four, half four in the morning because we didn't shut till two, half two. So it was a combination of um, not really enjoying it anymore, um, the late night, not enough sleep. Um, and, um, you know, to, to give somebody else an opportunity to, I think, if I'd kept it Tom I'd have had to reinvent it and at 63 you know I was shot um I couldn't I just didn't want to do it anymore so I found a new buyer who's already successful on the other side of town um um and I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning his name Zhao who's got Saint James's wine bar who's bought the business of me and he's got great ideas and um he his aim is to go more along the lines of um, opening in the day, going back to the days of when it was the Corinthian, um, an all-time day operation, but also keeping the late night license, so he, I think he's going to go for live music and stuff. And I do wish him all all the best, and, and you know, I think it'll be done right, and, and uh, maybe people are ready for a, a new
0: venue, something you know change. No, sure, and uh, 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 the, um, the the half 4 finishes would definitely be off your uh, off off your agenda now. I've, I've, I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff that you'll be uh, you'll be doing. Uh, in in writing the original piece in the paper, I I, um, I, I I was I think initially referred to former DJ, and then I thought, no, that's that's not accurate. You don't you're not a former DJ. I I, I I saw you playing tunes at the at the rugby club in the, the big promotion party in in April only a couple of a uh, couple of months ago and i was thinking no I I and I, I think I, I amended that before it uh, went to press um so you 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 you, you, you haven't Hung up your cans. I guess you're just going to be doing things a bit on a bit more occasional on your own terms type of uh type of basis. Is that is that it?
1: Well, fortunately, the old boy stood in demand, and uh, yes, you're right, that was just such a fun night, Tom. Was and the uh, the day we won the, the championship that was amazing. Um, yeah, so uh, look, my love is DJing, I love performing, and I love the public, I love people, and I love playing music. And I think if you speak to anyone who's in entertainment, to see, my my love is to be up there playing great music and just watching people have fun. There's, there's nothing better, really. And you get paid for it. Well, well sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, yes, it's probably, uh, I, I guess it's a bit checkered. The word, um, you, you, you probably developed a, an idea of, uh, when people were booking you, of um, the ones who... Um, who the check really was in the post and uh, uh, the ones who it was more in inverted commas, I suppose.
1: Well, fortunately, Tom, um, at the moment, you know, there are 70ths coming up, which is a bit of a, you know, people are like, oh, it's my mum's 70th. I'm like, well, I'm only seven years off it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't think I'm going to just, you know, go out and do fence here and there and uh, keep my finger in but we are planning on, on, on moving away from the island um, uh, I think it's time, I've been back 46 years and um, Jersey will always be my home Tom but I'm fairly distraught with the way this island, I don't want to get too political but um, things always change but I, I just don't think that things have changed for the better I, I really don't um, you know, and I don't want these stories for another day but um, it it worries me that more and more people are leaving and you know what we've done with the waterfront I mean it's a disaster zone Um, we had an opportunity to build a a wonderful waterfront then we're stuck with something pretty nasty Um, but it's done the damage is done I don't think the good times are going to come back I I don't want to sound depressing either but I speak to an awful lot of people Tom and you know, everyone's sort of singing from the same song sheet saying, they don't really enjoy being here anymore. I mean we're lucky, it's a beautiful place to live and I don't want to, people to say, oh Chris Tangy's moan moan moan, I'm not moaning. All I'm saying is that, yes we do have beautiful beaches and we have everything else, but they're not so beautiful in the seven months of winter we have to put up with and there are other places in the world that are just as beautiful but I just think we've gone too far down the line now of of coming back and the good times, I just don't see the good times rolling again, Tom. You know, it's
0: it's sad, but hey, no, you've got to call it as as, as you see it. I, and I, I, um, I, I certainly wasn't looking to turn it political. I probably do need to touch on you. You 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 had a a dabble um, with with um, politics in in twenty twenty two. Was it was that a sort of brief. Moment of thinking I could I could you know I can make a difference here and everything and and, and could you if um, if if the voters had, had responded or do you, do you look back on that and think well I, I don't know if it was really for me
1: uh, I think I dodged a bullet um <laughs> no the, the problem is as a sole voice you can't you can't make a change you know um, there's things I'd like to change but you have to have a nucleus of people around you um And Having spoken to friends, I know most of the people in government, I think one way or the other, and um, they've kind of said, Chris, I think you you were lucky. (laughs) Um, In some ways, I'd have, light have got in just to see the mechanics of government and how it works, because I think it's very difficult until you're on the inside, you really understand how how it all operates. I think where I went wrong was maybe I should have run as an independent and maybe not have not to not to have stood in central Saint Helier, which was reformed territory, but I enjoyed it, Tom. It was um, it was certainly an eye opener and a, a, a good learning curve. It's um, but I, I won't run again. I, I won't be here anyway. I won't, well, I will be here, but not living in Jersey. We're we're he- heading off to uh,
0: sunnier climes. Yeah, no, sure. And it, um, uh, ha- having um, just just cl- closed the doors um, with with Tangi's just a just a couple of weeks ago, is it ho- hopefully? Um, Uh, your your comments on the 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 nighttime economy and and um the the current state of play notwithstanding i I hope there's also a a big part of your memory bank that um of some really fun times i know people say if you were if you were there in the in whatever decade it was and you can remember it you were you weren't you weren't really there and um maybe memories are a bit uh, fuzzy uh, in in some respects, and maybe, maybe maybe that's a good thing that not everything was captured on uh, camera phones and everything in those days. But I, I, I'm I, just talking to you, and the, the glint in your eye and the smile about it, sense that 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 was a a pretty special time for the island, and and you you were you were one of the the, the engines of that I, and uh, hopefully your your it'll it'll keep you you warm in your retirement even when you are in somewhere uh, warmer than than jersey and and you you sort of proud to to have played a, a, a you know a part in 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 all that of people having such a such a good time when they were when they were going out in the 80s and
1: 90s well i I think for me if i can just thank everyone who's who's supported me and and been part of my journey for the last 46 years it's been an absolute blast and I'm sure you know um in all the places I work you know there's relationships marriages you know and all been formed normally these things all happen don't they not all in a nightclub but generally you know that's where you went out to meet your beloved or hope to meet your beloved and now I've seen you know the, the sons and daughters and their sons and daughters which is you know um and they go. Oh, my mum used to come to Madison's when you were there in, life. <laughs> you know, nineteen eighty two and nineteen eighty three, and all that sort of stuff. And now they're, you know, they, it, it, it. Time has no. What is the word? Time. It. it, it time just marches on, and um, I hope I've kept myself fairly fit, and I've still got my hair, Tom, and it's still, um, still the same colour, and maybe not as blonde,
0: but somehow I haven't gone grey, Tom. How, how's that happened? No, well, I've kept it, and it's not gone grey. <laughs> no, he's done done well, and uh, and and looking good. And um, I, I've had uh, great fun having a bit of a uh, a chat through it all. So um, we, we've been talking about doing this well uh, for th- three years in some respects. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's nice to have uh, done it, and um, I, I hope um, and there'll be lots of other people in jersey hoping that um you, you'll you'll be uh if, you, if you're living away you'll be back on a regular basis to uh, uh, to catch up with uh, catch up with people and maybe do a few 70ths or 75ths or or 80ths or whatever wherever we've got to at uh, at that stage on the uh on, on the time scale tom it's been a it's been a pleasure and uh, you're a great guy and i say thank you for being part of my life
1: certainly since i opened Tangie's, and um our times at the rugby club and uh, it's just great and uh, thank you very much indeed I've really enjoyed it
0: no we've had a a, a blast uh, Chris so uh, thanks very much Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen Chris Tangi, I got all showbiz there thanks very much (laughs) thanks Tom thank you to Chris for coming to speak to us We'd like to wish him all the best in retirement, although that doesn't mean he might not be playing tunes at a party near you at some point in the future. Don't forget to visit bailiwickexpress.com or pick up a copy of your local JP.